with a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week seven, and that includes the Sunday and Monday nighters. Also, Andy's going to offer a tasty sandwich game up, and uh, well, I've got a Money Line Matty pick for you as well. But first, of course, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Atridge. How's it going, pal? Well, Maddie, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. <laughs> yeah, I didn't cash in at the Wicked as well as I would have liked on Sunday. Uh, did on Saturday, so it sort of made up for it, but just one of those weeks. Dust yourself off, get back up to the mat, and uh, yeah, we'll go it again. What um, i got to ask you this before we go any further. What did you think of Aaron Rodgers' comments to Bears fans? On the level of whether or not he owns us... I can't argue with it. He owns us. Uh, my, no, my, my, what he it, said was accurate. <laughs> Just, what's that? I said what he said was absolutely accurate, but was it? I don't know. I'd be pissed. Well, no. My here's my issue with it. Actually, I you know Aaron Rodgers can say what he wants about owning the Bears because I'm one of those guys that's like if you don't like it, stop them. And well, yeah. he can't stop. We can't stop them. So you know, give him his props. But. What I don't like is I've seen taunting called on a lot less this year. And once again, the NFL is unable to hold its stars accountable, right? That's, yeah. that's what bothers me about it. I, you know, as far as him owning us, yeah, he damn well does own us. It's, it's, uh, it's a pitiful existence. Yeah. Um, I was saying that it was a bad, bad week for, for me at the window, perhaps yourself. I'll tell you who it was a good week for, and we're going to go back 10 days, but Zach Ertz, the former tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, went to bed at night with a 2-3 and three record and woke up the next morning with a 5-0 and record, now being an Arizona Cardinal. So good for him. Yeah, some guys lead a charmed life, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like his wife's an Olympian. This guy's one of the best to do it in the NFL. Some guys just have it all, don't they? They do, and I'll tell you another person that was celebrating, and that was Urban Meyer and his Jacksonville Jaguars, who notched their very first win in jolly old England last weekend. I called that one. Yeah, first, uh, you know, first first win in 21 games. And you know what? They partied their asses off in London celebrating that. In fact, I can give you the top five things that they did. All right, here we go. The top five things the Jaguars did in London to celebrate their first win in 21 games. Number five. Went to an all-you-can-eat Spotted Dick restaurant. Spotted Dick, sir. What? Spotted Dick. Can you believe this guy? I'm trying to get something to eat. He's asking me if I got the clap. Number four. Went to Piccadilly Circus because they fit in with the clowns. That's it. You people have stood in my way long enough. I'm going to clown college. Number three. Marched over to Arsenal Stadium to show the Gunners what real football is all about. Hey, team, I coach. They're going to play hard for all four quarters, okay? Uh, two halves. What's that? Two halves. Okay, halves. They're going to play hard for two halves. And we're going to play till there's a winner and there's or a loser. A tie. What's that? A tie. Okay, till there's a winner, a loser, or a tie. You can tie. If you tried to end a, a game in a tie in the United States, heck, that might be listed in Revelations as the cause for the apocalypse. Number two. Lap dances for everyone. 
compliments of herb. Anyone like a dance? All right, guys, put your hands together. Be sure to take the dance. This is here for candy. And now, the number one. Trevor Lawrence, Miles Jack, and Queen Elizabeth II. Do the math. Devil's triangle. Hey, Maddie, in your uh, in all your uh, in all your week of research, did you ever think we'd be doing a joke about the queen being on a threesome? Absolutely not, because her sister Margaret was way hotter. <laughs> That's true. All right, should we fire it up, big guy? Yeah, let's fire it up. Are you All right, game one, we head to uh, Baltimore, and this is one that uh, you and I couldn't have been more wrong on last week. Uh, The Ravens are at home, and they're facing the Cincinnati Bengals. Ravens, six-point favorites, 47's your over-under. And uh, here's a a couple interesting stats. First of all, both teams only 500 against the spread, so neither world beaters in the gambling world. Uh, But Joe Burrow is 0-3 in his career as a starter versus fellow Heisman-winning quarterbacks. And he's already 0-1 versus Jackson. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you know what? I will, You know, I said it last week. I think Cincinnati's really taken a step forward this year. Uh, they rank in the top five in both offensive passing yards per attempt and defacing passing yards per attempt allowed. I'm not, you know me, Maddie. I'm not a huge trends guy. But in this specific series in which they see each other twice a year, Cincinnati's done pretty well in Baltimore. Over the last 12 years, Cincinnati's 5-2-1 against the spread as an underdog of six points or more. And, in fact, those two outright wins were greater than plus 300 money line odds, which I know you love. Absolutely. Uh, the Bungles seem to get it together every now and then when they're playing the Ravens, especially when no one expects them to do it. Is, uh, is six points on the Ravens' side giving a little too much respect to the Ravens? Well, I think that's a recency effect. You know, as, as you said, we kind of shit the bed taking the Chargers last week. But keep in mind, the Chargers had played that game against the Browns the week before, 47-42. to 42. So they were a little bit spent. Um, Herbert looked dreadful throwing the ball for a buck 95. Uh, the running back, Austin Eckler, looked even worse, rushing for exactly seven yards on six carries. So I think, I think the line's a little bit overinflated from the recency effect. Um, Cincinnati has a completion percentage of over 70. Uh, Their third down conversion rate is over 40. And their red zone scoring rate of 83% is good for third in the league. You know, their defense isn't too bad either. uh, They're the only team in the NFL to have allowed 25 points or fewer in each game this season. And I think that the Bengals, uh, I don't know if they're going to win this game outright. I really don't. But I really do like them here to cover that uh, six-point spread. Well, we've heard, <clears throat> excuse me, at the beginning of the season, we all, we've heard all about the Ravens' injury problems, especially at the running back position. I counted them up. There's 17 players on the IR right now for the Ravens. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really banged up. And if you can believe it, if the Bungles do win here, they're going to be in a tie for the division lead with Baltimore. And I think they can cover six points. I'm going with the Bungles, like yourself. With the Raven, nevermore. Many teams will try, but ain't nobody did it. Up next, we head to the Music City, where the Tennessee Titans are at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
The Titans are five and a half point dogs at home, and uh, 57 is your over under. And uh, this was uh, one you called last week. You you uh, actually called Tennessee correct on the Monday nighter over the Buffalo Bills. I was on the wrong side of that. So what are you seeing in the Titans there, big guy? Well, I see one thing, and that's a train called Derrick Henry coming right up the middle. When you come in against Derrick Henry, you better go low. Do not stand up with that man and let him just throw you out of the club. Good Lord, is that guy a monster or what? Did you know that if he gets... So he's on pace right now for 2,219 rush yards. That would be an NFL record. Doesn't surprise me. Um, he leads the league in total total yards and rushing TDs. In fact, he's the first guy since Sean Alexander in 2005 that has over 700 yards rushing and over seven rushing touchdowns through the first six games. He has, uh, like, okay, so he has more rush yards than 26 NFL teams combined entering this week. Sorry, Matty, guess who has the 27th worst run defense in the league, allowing 133 yards per game? Mm, let me guess. I think it's the Chiefs. Oh, nice call, Matthew. Nice call. That's exactly right. I got ESPN. ESP. ESP. Guess who's not in their backfield this week running the ball? Oh, who is not? It's uh, Edwards Hilaire is not in their backfield. He's out for the entire season now. Yep. And so that means they're going to lean on Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon, who collectively have 173 yards on 51 carries. You stink. Oh, KC's been terrible this year as far as like what their roster availability has been and uh, their record. They're 2-4 and four against the spread, and they haven't really been spread beaters in recent history either. They kind of almost play down to their competition. Well, they've only covered the spread three times in their last 17 games. Yeah. And, you know, it's having a lack of running attack is going to force Mahomes to go through the air, which we know he's good at, but it might surprise some. He's already got eight interceptions this season. There's only one guy having more, and that's Zach Wilson on the Jets. In fact, the whole team is second only to the Jacksonville Jaguars in turnover differential. Um, you know, on the other side, Tannehill, who's not exactly lighting up any box scores, but the guy's still getting the job done. Um, I found an interesting stat since 2019. He's got more fourth quarter comebacks than anyone else in the league, including Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. Okay. I want to say to you that that Tannehill comeback stat is such a big pile of horse shit. It could feed every Eagles fan in the world after their next Super Bowl win. Eagles fans started fires and they punched police horses. Then they sat down to watch the Super Bowl. It seriously. The reason why they're getting all these fourth quarter comebacks is once again goes back to Derrick Henry. They beat these other teams down so badly during the game, constantly pounding the ball, that by the fourth quarter, those defenses are weak and on their heels. If they don't have Derrick Henry, those fourth quarter comebacks aren't there, or not all of them anyway. I think the running game plays a huge, huge factor in how Tennessee will ultimately show in the whole year. Yeah, and don't uh, don't forget that Julio Jones is now back infused into the lineup, and that's making a big difference. Did, did you see that fucking circus catch last week? Off the helmet, Julio Jones catches it. Well, yeah, but my, my point is, you know, just his presence there is changing defensive coverage, and it's opening up bigger things for guys like A.J. Brown, who had 91 yards against Buffalo. So, yeah, yeah, he can do the circus catches. Maybe he goes to Piccadilly Circus. You're going to die, clown! 
um, you know, the, the Titans still have a lot of dudes on the IR, but I think this game is going to be one in the trenches and look for King Henry to have another big day, you know, exploiting that Chiefs defense line that allows more yards per rush than any other team in the league with the exception of the Chargers. Oh, yeah, this game is going to come down to whether or not Kansas City can stop the run. And here's a spoiler alert. <laughs> they can't. Uh, look what the Titans were able to do to the Bills defense. And the Bills defense has been fantastic. Um, on the other side of the ball, Casey's having a hard time putting together a complete game. Offensively, they should have no problem. And they, they've still had a hard time uh, many times this season putting together a full 60 minutes. And in their last five games, they've played three teams with winning records. Uh, Buffalo, the Chargers, and Baltimore. And Casey's lost all three. I think they're in for a tough road here with the uh, Titans, and I, I think the Titans are my money line Maddie pick this week. Oh, oh, money. All right, on to Las Vegas, where the Raiders are home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Raiders three point favorites 49s you're over under this is one that i actually got right last week and the raiders really showed some grit um after you know a lot of people were predicting they'd be blowing out last week after gruden's sudden departure they showed up big and as i called it uh they beat the broncos by 10 points that being said though uh since 2020 and this is kind of a ominous stat for them interim head coaches are 4-0 and in their first game and then the previous three interim head coaches lost their second game. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that. Um, that was a big win for the Raiders. As I said, you know, John Gruden's not taking snaps under center. It's Derek Carr. But I'll tell you what, it was their defense that showed up. They caused four Bronco turnovers, including three INTs by the un-Bridgewater-like Teddy Two Gloves. I think there's value in the Eagles' upset here. Um, if you look at you look at the teams that the Eagles have lost to, the uh, Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the aforementioned Chiefs, the Cowboys who are leading their division, and the 49ers. I mean, that's there's nothing embarrassing about that that slate. Um, I'm concerned about them not getting Miles Sanders the ball more. He's only got 57 rushes this season, which is good for 30th in the league. I consider that guy uh, a top 10 guy. So they need to feed him the ball more. But if you compare these two teams stat for stat, especially efficiency metrics like yards per play and points per play, they're virtually identical. And that's just not a reflection on a three-point spread. I think they go off strong here because they're going into a bye week and they're going to want to do so with a W. I'm taking the Eagles. Well, first off, Dallas Goddard, who is uh, or who was out, is now back in in the lineup as he returns from the COVID-19 list. So that bodes well for your Eagles. Um, my concern is the only win they had this year came against the Carolina Panthers, and it's becoming pretty ev evident that Sam Darnold is, at best, a mediocre QB. Um, and and a, another word I want to give of, of warning to Eagles fans. Do you know who the leading rusher on the Philadelphia Eagles is? Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. And he has five of the team's seven rushing touchdowns. You got to be careful with that guy because you don't want to RG3 the poor kid. 
No. There's no way that your quarterback, like, hey, I got no problem with a quarterback being mobile, you know, like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes and getting out. What's that? Or Justin Fields. Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, but also they should not be your leading rusher. No. Uh, and, And that could come back to bite him in the ass. Uh, quarterbacks can be fragile, right? I mean, just I'd hate to see it happen to a kid that I think has a lot of promise in the NFL, and I'd like to watch him play football for years to come. So, um, and they're averaging only 13 carries per game, and this goes well, back that's to my what point with Miles Sanders. They got to give him the ball. Yeah, I just a 13 carries a game. That's not helping your quarterback out. Your rookie quarterback. No. <laughs> so I don't think their coaching is up to up to snuff i know that they've uh, lost against some good teams but dude i mean this is another good team they're playing Carr actually is on pace to break the nfl record for pass yards he's on pace for 5514 yards is that good i i'm taking the raiders here if it's only three points at home philly's going all the way across the country i'll take the raiders i hate the fucking eagles man All right, to South Beach, where the uh, Miami Dolphins play host to the Atlanta Falcons. Miami, two and a half point underdogs at home. 47 and a half is the over-under. And, uh, well, Andy, Miami looked so promising at the beginning of the year. And now, yikes. Well, they looked promising at the beginning of the game last week in London. In fact, both of these teams played their last game in London. The only difference is the Falcons did it two weeks ago, sir. On their bye week, they've got an extra week of rest where the Dolphins elected to play the following week, and they're doing so off a loss. A loss to the Jaguars. Exactly. You know, and that's a 4,400-mile 4, trip home back to Miami. And next week, the Dolphins face the rivals, division rivals, the Buffalo Bills, meaning... It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. It's a non-conference game against the team that, as I say, has two weeks to prepare for this one. There isn't a worse look to see an almost playoff team from last year lose to the Jags. You know, as I say, they blew an early 13-3 advantage, marking the second time they've they've turned a double-digit lead into a loss. And Jacksonville took advantage of Miami's banged-up secondary, and, and they, they gained uh, 312 yards through the air of 396 total yards. And Atlanta might be able to do the same thing if all pro cornerbacks, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, aren't able to return from injury this week. I guess a Bears fan, dude, 312 yeah. yards of passing is like two and a half games worth. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no joke. And, you know, if you go to the other side of the ball, uh, you mean, I mean, rushing, that is. Miami's 32nd place out of, wait for it, 32 teams at a clip of 72 yards a game. And in fact, that number drops to 50 if you only consider their last three. The Falcons are on a different trajectory. They've won two of their last three. And in that time, Matt Ryan has thrown eight touchdowns with zero INTs. And it sort of looks like they're getting comfortable under new coach Arthur Smith. In addition to that, they're going to be getting both Calvin Ridley and wide receiver Russell Gage, who's going to, he's coming back from an ankle injury. 
Kyle Pitts has been killing it as a rookie tight end, living up to the hype. Dude, this this is like, let's call it a Cuban sandwich or Cubano. Uh, just like the one you would get at the restaurant Versailles on Southwest 8th Street in Miami. And I'm going to invite the Falcons to go down and enjoy a glorious Cuban sandwich filled with sweet ham, roast pork, Swiss cheese, and Spanish sausage on a toasted Cuban bun with mustard and pickles. Falcons are going to love it. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. Waiting all day for Sunday night. All right, Sunday night. This is your account, pal. The San Francisco 49ers are at home, and they're four-and-a-half-point favorites against the visiting Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Forty-four-and-a-half is your over-under. And, uh, well, both teams here are inverse as far as their performance against the spread this year. Uh, Indy, four-and-one against the spread. San Francisco, one-and-four. What's up with your Niners? I think they're 0-9 in their last fucking nine home games, too. Against the spread, you mean? Uh, let me see here. I, I, I hope it's against us. They're one in nine at home or neutral site since 2020, seven and four on the road. Why are you bringing up old shit? Um, I, when I first looked at this spread, I'm like, what warrants the 49ers to be more than a field goal favorite? Um, you know, I guess coming off their bye week helps. Kyle Shanahan gets an extra week to prepare against the Colts. Carson Wentz looked kind of good last week he was 11 for 20 223 yards and two touchdowns no ants running back jonathan taylor rushed for a buck 45 uh, including an 83 yarder scored two tds but that was against the houston texan defense and the 49ers defense is a wee bit of a step up from that and right now they're both a little banged up but it looks like either garoppolo and trey lance are available to play but jimmy's getting the nod which means he's going to be playing for his job. And they need to get off this three-game losing streak if they want to keep pace with the Rams and the Cardinals in their division. Well, why does that not translate to the same argument for uh, for Indy? Well, because Indy is already in second place with a 2-4 and four record because they have the luxury of playing against the Lions and the Jags in their division. Oh, Andy, you poor, sweet, deluded man. You think that the Niners can hang in the NFC West this year. I mean, the Cards and the Rams are going to be the division winner and one of the wild card spots this year. Uh, the Niners, you guys are better off developing Trey Lance for next year and reloading because you you play in the toughest division in football. We do. Yeah, which is and why there's no hope. Well, okay, so in the three losses that the Niners had, they lost the Packers in the last couple seconds of the game, no biggie. They lost to their division rivals, the Seahawks. Okay, that happens. And the only other loss is to the only perfect team left in the league at 6-0 and is the Cardinals. But they couldn't beat the team that is the absolute worst team in the league for defense. Yeah, the Seahawks, the, They couldn't outscore the Seattle Seahawks. That doesn't concern you at all. Well, when you got Russell Wilson doing a divisional game, you throw out the stats. You know, it's always going to be competitive. I mentioned since he's red zone, red zone scoring, San Francisco is actually second in the league at 90%. And the Colts, by comparison, second last at 43%. This is one of those games where I'm going to put very little credence into a statistical comparison. These two teams are in 
different conferences and rarely square off against each other. Right now, this is a must-win for San Fran. I don't think that's the case with, with Indy. And I think the red and gold put these Colts back into their place and cover four points. Man, the Niners may be coming off a bye week, dude, but they are still really banged up. On offense alone, they got uh, tight end George Kittle, uh, left tackle uh, Justin School, uh, wide receivers James and Hurd, and running back uh, Jim Michael Hasty, all on IR. Mm-hmm. The forecast shows 65 degrees in rain. I think that this game is a close game. And I think the Niners, if they do win this game, it's by three points or less. I'm taking the Colts to cover. Well, it's Saturday night and I just got paid. Feel about my money, don't try to save. My heart said, go, go. Have a time for Saturday night. Nah, feel fine. Go to rock it up. And Monday night, we head to Seattle, where the New Orleans Saints come to town. Seattle, four and a half point dogs at home. And, uh, well, like I said uh, in the previous segment, the Seahawks are dead last in defense in the NFL. The Saints are supporting the fourth best defense in the NFL. Oh, yes, and they have their starting quarterback. What say you, Andy? Isn't this Drew Brees against Russell Wilson? Oh, hang on. That was last year. No, it's the Jamison Geno show. Wow. Didn't that come on right after Joni Loves Chachi, but then it was canceled? I was thinking more like the Tom and Jerry show. Introducing that world-famous cat, James, and that magnificent mouse, Gino. You know, Winston at more than a field goal? Come on, man. I mean, Michael Thomas probably not in the lineup once again. Um, unfortunately, Gino Smith, he couldn't overcome the ineptitude of their offensive line getting sacked five times last week against the Steelers, especially with a rather unfortunate fumble in overtime. But give them credit for coming back on a 14-0 deficit at halftime to even get the game to OT. One of the most impressive things about his performance is that he completed passes to 10 different receivers against the Steelers. And in fact, their running back, Alex Collins, broke the century mark for a buck one against that one of the top-rated, probably the top-rated front seven in all of football. You, you talk about Geno Smith and you don't mention Jameis Winston? He has a pass touchdown on 10.3% of attempts this year. That's the highest rate by a quarterback in a single season in the Super Bowl era. Dude scoring when it counts. The Seahawks can't stop anybody. The Saints are fourth on defense. I, I cannot get this game. This spread should at least be six and a half points. Mr. 30 for 30 could throw three picks and the Saints would still probably cover. I'm taking the Saints. Who that? Who that damn dare Saints? You know, Jameis did have the LASIK surgery in the offseason, allowing him to see a little bit better downfield. But one thing LASIK surgery doesn't help is your hearing. And I'm actually, I'm betting on the 12th man at Seattle. And I think they're going to make this game loud. And Winston's going to throw a couple of untimely picks. And he's going to put the Jameis back in Winston. I'm taking Seattle with the points. Hey, buddy. I bet you it was pretty loud in that fish market when that kid took off with them crab legs, but he made it work. Hey, dude, there are crab legs in Seattle, so keep that in mind as well. Take off the crabs in the bucket. 
All right, now we head to the teaser. It's the final segment of the show where we both give you a teaser we like for the weekend. Andy, start us off. What do you like? Well, let's go to Gillette Stadium, or as we like to call it, Foxborough. Uh, the Patriots are seven-point favorites. I want to take that down to one point. Now, it doesn't exactly check all the teaser boxes because it's only going through the key number of three. But the key here is Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback, and you're only asking them to win. And there's also extra value in the fact that this total is only 42 and a half. So I like the Patriots down to one. For the second leg of the teaser, we are going back to Seattle, where, in fact, that number will go through two key numbers of seven and ten. And it's doing so on Jameis Winston Boulevard. I like Seattle to not lose at home by double digits. Well, for the first leg of my teaser, we'll go to the Music City where Kansas City is coming in. And, uh, well, I like the Titans on the money line for this. So if they're getting five and a half points at home, I'm going to take them to 11 and a half points going through the key numbers of seven and ten. And then for leg two of the teaser, I go to uh, Baltimore where uh, Cincinnati comes to town. I'm going to take the Bengals from plus six to plus 12, again, going through the key numbers of seven and ten. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to week seven of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Then you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week seven games across the NFL. From the Coast and Oster Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Right.